0: The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas.
1: Are we alone in the universe? Or are we part of a greater cosmic community? This question has fascinated humans for centuries and has given rise to countless theories and beliefs. But what if there was a way to move beyond belief and into direct experience? that's what exoconsciousness is all about. Exoconsciousness is a term coined by our guest today, Rebecca Carcastle Wright, PhD, a leading expert in the field and founder of the Institute for Exoconsciousness, iExo. Rebecca has spent over a decade researching and exploring the ways in which humans can connect with extraterrestrial intelligence and expand their consciousness. Her work at iExo is helping people develop their exoconscious abilities, and co-create with off-world intelligence to benefit humankind and planetary well-being. In this interview, we'll be diving deeper into the world of exoconsciousness with Dr. Wright. We'll explore the concept itself, its implications for our understanding of ourselves and the universe, and the practical ways in which people can develop and apply their exoconscious abilities. Rebecca Harcastle-Wright holds a PhD in Parapsychic Science from the American Institute of Holistic Theology and is the author of multiple books, including the latest one, which will be the focus of tonight's interview. Exoconscious Humans Will Free Will Survive in an Increasingly Non-Human World? She has been a featured speaker at conferences and events around the world and has been interviewed by numerous media outlets on the topic of exoconsciousness. Her work is helping to usher in a new era of understanding and connection among all beings both on and off Earth.
2: Welcome to Veritas. If this is your first time listening, welcome home. To access tonight's full interview and all of our exclusive material, simply join the Veritas Plus family by clicking on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. And while you're there, don't forget to check out the Veritas store for a range of great products, including Focused Life Force Energy. Experience the power of FLFE with a 15-day free trial today no credit card required. We're excited to announce the launch of our brand new Veritas Plus Insider, your source for exclusive news and insights you won't find anywhere else. If you're looking to get in touch with Mel, have a guest suggestion, or would like to provide feedback, simply click on the contact button on our website. So sit back, relax, and enjoy tonight's show. And now, here's your host, Mel Hasselrich.
1: Our website is exoconsciousness.com com. And from my Grand Canyon state of Arizona, I'd like to welcome Dr. Rebecca Hardcastle wright Hello and welcome to Veritas. How are you?
0: I'm well. Thank you, Mel. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. I appreciate it.
1: My pleasure. May I call you Rebecca? Yes, please. Thank you. Well, first question, what exactly, it is, it's the, coined, the, the term you coined, what exactly is exoconsciousness and how does it differ from traditional notions of human consciousness?
0: Exoconsciousness is now defined, it's gone through several iterations, but it's currently defined as the uh, innate human ability to connect, communicate, and co-create with extraterrestrials, multidimensionals, and spiritual beings. The way that it's different from other forms of consciousness is that it emphasizes uh, cosmic consciousness but also from the framework of being a human. So it's all about um, the, the the human sovereign moral, uh, say moral sovereignty, and how we as humans can learn to live and co-create with extraterrestrials and multidimensionals and spiritual beings. So from now on, I'll just say extraterrestrials or ETs, and you'll know that I'm talking about sure all forms of being.
1: Of course. And by the way, before we begin... You mentioned to me that the book came out in 20, uh, what was it, two years ago, three years ago? Yeah,
0: twenty um, two and a half years ago.
1: Two and a half years ago. When I finished reading it, it almost feels like you just wrote it yesterday because the information we'll be discussing tonight is so appropriate, so timely now. It's almost like we're going in the, uh, a quantum leap of technology. And, you know, some people write to me saying, Mel, this is so bad technology. I always see things... With duality. A knife can be used to cut a, a a an apple or it could be used to kill someone. Same thing with, with the technology we're seeing. So we're gonna be dissecting all this AI, transhumanism, singularity, and more importantly, are we gonna keep our free will eventually? That's the question that we're gonna be answering throughout the interview. So why is exoconsciousness so important, to Rebecca?
0: I I began writing uh exoconscious humans. Gee, about two thousand seventeen. I actually researching it in two thousand fifteen and two thousand sixteen when I lived in Washington DC. And when you live somewhere, and I was working with Dr. Edgar Mitchell. So when you live somewhere like Washington, people just tend to drop information on your lap, uh, as well as the fact that I love to research, and I was working with Dr. Mitchell's team of scientists. So there was a lot coming at me at that point, and. I um, I began to see a very distinct pattern for me. And at first, I didn't believe it. And as I wrote about in my book, it was rather traumatic for me to to get this understanding. So I understand when people say this is traumatic, this is so horrible because uh, I'm a mom, I'm a grandmother. And quite frankly, it took me it took me moving back to Phoenix Calming down. Moves are always calming for me because they just reorder everything and you're in a new space. And I I found the perspective then to write the book because I was very concerned as a mother and a, a grandmother and a scholar and a researcher. I was very concerned about what was going to happen to innate human psychic abilities and spiritual abilities. I didn't know if they would be able to last through this. Um, Full spectrum dominance, uh, as is often coined the term uh, Atlanta Friedland uses, I think it comes from Lockheed Martin, but the full spectrum dominance of um, social engineering, geoengineering and genetic engineering. I I just didn't know if humans, what made us human are our personal self, our self-identity, our spiritual nature, our psychic abilities. This. This whole architecture that we have inside of our bodies that connects us to the field of consciousness that is really the root of exo consciousness, this this cosmic um, uh, field in which other beings dwell. I didn't know if we were going to lose that or not, and um, that that was my that was my impetus, and that's what caused me to put the book together. And so I, I wrote the book. Most of the chapters have three sections. So there's the the viewpoint of exoconscious humans, how we operate. There's the viewpoint of transhumans, and through the book, then I was able to describe what transhumans are all about, as well as what exoconscious humans are about. And then the third point was: is there a common ground between the two, and and how how we exactly live. And at this, as I um. As I've gone deeper into my understanding of this, I I feel, Mel, like it's not going to be much different from myself as a human living and being connected, communicating, co-creating with extraterrestrials, but that I am in the future going to be increasingly um, communicating, connecting, and co-creating with um, people who've chosen to be cyborgs.
1: By the way, Ilana is a great friend of this program. And this question is not part of the notes I wrote, but it just occurred to me. You mentioned you knew COVID was coming when you wrote the book. Were you seeing a connection between that transhumanism and the mechanism being used to introduce certain quote-unquote technology into people?
0: Yes, absolutely. Because it's all part of, it's all part of genetic engineering. And, and by the way, I just also want to give a give a a hug to Alana because she was highly, highly influential in my work and um, that's that's what I saw happening and it it was interesting in New Year's Day I woke up and this voice came to me this does happen not every day but it's not uncommon and a voice came to me and it just said you will be quarantined (laughs) and I looked at my husband and I just said I just got a message. We're going to be quarantined. I'm not quite sure how to do that. And, you know, bless his heart. This, <laughs> this is goes, before well,
1: the log. This is before the lockdown. Oh, for
0: sure. This was like, yeah, before everything. And, and I just said, I don't know what this means. Um, and so he said to me, uh, I, I said, he, he said, well, you know, I believe what you're hearing. We may be going into a, a quarantine type situation. Let's, and I said, well, let's go ask our Mormon neighbors you know, they all, they know, really, they know. (laughs) Well, unfortunately my Mormon neighbor, we walked across the street. It's a beautiful day. I remember asking her the question. I said, I I felt I was, uh, felt that we were going to go into lockdown. Do you know anything about a quarantine? And she said, well, we really don't do that. And so my husband and I just sort of figured it out for ourselves, but um, yeah, I definitely got a heads up. You can't live and work and have friendships with people in Washington D.C. without knowing that well, you can. But for me, I couldn't do that without knowing that chemical biological weaponry was a reality. You you can't live near Fort Detrick and not know that this is going on, and that people in and around Fort Detrick are you know dying of cancer, don't drink the water. It's it's just a reality that people deal with, and I just. I became more and more educated about chemical biological weaponry. And I knew that in order to um, implement transhumanism, that they would have to put the genetic piece in play. I didn't know exactly that it was going to be COVID, but I knew that there was going to be some kind of a virus or an infection.
1: So this raises the question, and this is the part that I'm most interested in knowing, The, the merger, obviously the merger between biology and technology whether psychic abilities can exist in a transhuman culture, and whether AI could suppress or replace human consciousness—it's
0: interesting. Um, I, I have, like Elena, uh, Elena, I have studied Steiner, and one of the things that Steiner said at the turn of the century was that there will be vaccines that will loosen the etheric body from humans. And that those vaccines will change our souls and will change our connection to God. So as far back as that, I, I knew that there was something about injections and vaccines that had this ability. Um, and then, you know, Mel, you have to look at what was happening in the Middle East war and all the all the research around um you know, Islamic fundamentalist, and and the identification of the of the brain uh, circuitry of a of a of a of an extreme fundamentalist or an extreme religious person. There's just been a you know the God part of the God part of the brain. You, you can't ignore that and not know that that was one of the areas that they were moving into. But you know, the neural system is just is just one part of. Of uh, the architecture, the physical architecture of this, this, this physical spiritual architecture of a human, you know, there's also you know chakras, meridians, um, and I'm sure that's being worked on also because to move humans into a cyborg state, uh, you can't have uh, these these rogue <laughs> these rogue systems operating. So. There's going to be a, a further a further movement into the human body by absolutely that's going to happen. Not only the human body, but we have to realize that it's also nature. So um, most of us went to high school and studied biology and the. Uh, the the Linnaeus classifications back in the 1700s. And and we we learned that that pre-Darwinian system was how we identified all of nature. Well, around the 1970s, a group got together in Northern California at, at, interestingly enough, a a YMCA, this beautiful YMCA facility. And they decided that they would barcode and identify all of nature. Um, synthetic as well as natural and that that's now called the phylo code but you never hear anything about it so um, that phylo code is it's actually a new biological classification that includes um, humans also (laughs) because we are also being um, engineered and hybridized so um, that that model, that phylo code, is very computer compatible. And then there's they also rolled out something called the barcode of life, and they took short sequences of DNA and barcoded them into a, a global standard of species identification, including humans. And all this is put together in a in a in a vast uh, global platform to identify us.
1: Who is responsible for cataloging this phylocode?
0: There's a a group called uh, CBOL. There's about, I don't know, 200 organizations that are part of it and from about 50 countries that are now. I mean, expanded from, you know, in the 1970s, it was just a small group, probably international group, that gathered and and began to do this study. And that's usually how things happen. Uh, As we all learn, small groups of people can have, absolutely um, cataclysmic influences throughout life and uh, that's what this group did
1: the reason why I asked you that question is because you may have heard that there's legislation and you you lived in Washington and there was legislation not too long ago where certain politicians wanted to vote against a law that allows human hybrid human animal hybrids in the United States and this I forgot exactly the the politician's name, but it was overwhelmingly overwhelmingly voted against. They wanted to continue, so the law still stands that it's okay to experiment with human animal hybrids. That's why I ask you, who's cataloging this? Because I'd be so curious to see if they have other types. Of human. And I'm not referring yeah, other to... Other
0: types of humans. Yeah.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely they have other types of humans. This is all part of the, the whole um, DNA identification through uh, through COVID, was to be able to catalog these different species of humans that exist on Earth.
1: <sighs> From your book, you present two perspectives. That of the extra-conscious humans who value their psychic abilities and see them as essential for the survival and advancement of the human consciousness and that of the Silicon Valley experts who see transhumanism as an exciting and invaluable opportunity to integrate technology into our bodies and environment. I love their marketing schemes. What is the (laughs) difference between the perspectives of exoconscious humans and transhumans?
0: Exoconscious humans are different in the fact that we see humans as more than a brain. We believe that human consciousness is non-local. That it's kind of you know, Rupert Sheldrake. It's part of the field of consciousness. It has the ability to uh, function multidimensionally uh, through many, many dimensions, probably uncounted dimensions at this point, and and uh, that's that's how it functions. So it needs those essential abilities, those essential psychic abilities, spiritual abilities, because you can't navigate the complexity of multi-dimensions without having some kind of grounding in spiritual knowledge or spiritual discernment. So that that's what that's one of the reasons humans were given this ability, this part of our human consciousness is this ability to, to discern that's, that's much more than an instinctive discernment that an animal has. As for, this is, this is a simplistic answer, but for transhumanisms, tra- tra- transhumanists, I would say that they're they are much more brain and neurologically oriented. In terms of how they view the human species, so um, a lot about um, uh, you know digital digital information. Uh, everything is digitalized. Biology is digitalized. Psychology is digitalized. Everything is brought down into a, a, a very narrow uh, code of what of what makes a human.
1: Even our own energy will be used to mine cryptocurrency and we'll, we'll discuss this later how can exoconscious humans navigate the challenges presented by transhumanism and here's the key and preserve our core being
0: um i am i was working with someone the other day and they they were working with this renowned person and he was you know quoting about you know the third industrial revolution i thought oh shoot you know klaus schwab were already said, the Michael third already or yeah, the we're fourth, already or the in the fourth. fourth. Yeah, yeah, we're already in the fourth. That's what I'm thinking. This, you know, this guy needs to step it up. And all of a sudden, I just, you know how these things happen. I just, I thought, exoconscious humans are the fifth. We're, we're, that's, we're the fifth. And believe me, there will be a sixth. But right now, exoconscious humans are refining the ability to Um, communicate and co-create and live side-by-side with cosmic beings using all of our psychic abilities, all of...
3: Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe